0: Father, we are grateful once again to be in your presence and um, just to know that your spirit is here, that we're, um, we're not uh, doing this alone, outside of you, for you, but we're doing this with you, and we're so grateful for that. We're thankful that your spirit goes with us wherever we are, that we have access to you at any moment of any day. And, uh, Father, we just want to lift up this morning to you. Thank you for the time that we've had in worship and will continue to have And uh, for all that you do to put these things together, Uh, thank you for this new arrival in the Thompson household, and we just ask for your blessing on uh, Eliza and her mom and dad as they head out on this journey together. And Father, we want to lift up our high school kids to you as they're on the road, and we just ask for safety. Thank you for all that's been accomplished this week, and um, the, the reports and stories and testimonies that we'll get to hear in the days to come. Thank you for what you've done through them. Thank you for the, the good report partway through the week by Josh just on how well things were going. And so we just ask again for, for safety as they return. Help us all to find our, our place uh, in the work that you are, are trying to accomplish here in our own nation and around the world. Thank you, Lord, for this time together, for the blessing that it is. <clears throat> we just ask that you would guide us now. As we come to the Word, and um, we commit ourselves to you and this time to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the six-month anniversary of the earthquake in Haiti just passed, and my mind and my heart have spent a lot of time traveling back there uh, during this disaster. And since then, uh Haiti is a devastatingly poor nation. Uh they face sufferings of all kinds, and they're in, in desperate need of the transforming love of Jesus Christ. And besides the arrival of that six-month mark, the the process of preparing for my sermon this morning also brought Haiti back to my mind. Uh, During my time there, my role in missions was as an agriculturalist. Uh, I worked with the farmers in the nearby communities, equipping them to find solutions to the problems that they face, the challenges they face in trying to provide sustenance for their families. And those challenges are mountainous, literally and symbolically, And so as I spent time with this morning's parable, I was led back to many memories of tackling that challenge head on. And I love that kind of challenge. I really enjoyed what I was doing there. The parable that we're going to look at this morning is a very familiar one. It's the parable of the sower. And yes, that's the one where the farmer sows seed on different types of soil with varying results. And um, you're familiar with it. Since I first decided that I'd preach through Christ's teaching this summer, I have tried to be diligent about not preaching on those parables that are already so familiar to us. But this is one of those parables. Uh, I could just about quote this one from memory. I could certainly easily uh, recall its meaning, how it talks about the gospel being heard by some hearts that are hard, some that are shallow, some that are distracted. And I'll bet nearly all of us can recall that much from this parable. But again... Here's the principle of reading the word again today and allowing God to do something new, to reveal something new or fresh as we give him the opportunity and as we open up our eyes and our ears. And that happened with me in this parable uh, this past week. It happened a second time this past week with another parable that I was convinced that I wasn't going to include in my summer series, but I might have to now. Well, let's get on with it. Uh, Get your Bibles out or put up your hand if you don't have one with you, and you can borrow one from us this morning. Uh, The ushers have got extras that they'd be happy to to give you as they see your hand go up. The story is too long to have up on the screen, and so we're going to go right out of the book. And Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going this morning. Matthew chapter 13. Have you seen the commercials for the Amazon Kindle? Amazon Kindle. It's a digital reading device that you can get now. Uh, You can purchase and download a book in 60 seconds from anywhere in the world. And uh, while I respect the technology, I detest the idea of reading everything from one screen all the time. That just doesn't sit well with me. I want to handle the book. I want to physically turn the pages. I want to fold the page where I left off, even though that drives my wife crazy. I want to see that book on my shelf. Um, Do you know how Muslims have historically referred to followers of Christ? We're referred to as people of the book. People of the book. And let's try to keep that title. That's an honor. And for those of you who are currently looking up our passage for today on your Huckleberry or your iClone or whatever you got, um, no, I'm not sorry for hurting your little digital feelings. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there's, a, I see them going up over the. <laughs> I don't know how to operate one of those, so it's just jealousy. That's all this is coming out of. <laughs> there's a great piece of technology out there called the the Mega Voice that I mentioned once years ago, and and this is something that's pointing illiterate people to Christ, even as we speak right now around the world. Uh, It's technology at its finest, solar-powered, digital recorder. It's preloaded with the whole Bible in the the language of the people to whom it's given. And I praise God for technologies like that. So, okay, Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 1 through 23 of Matthew chapter 13. This is what it says. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them but blessed are you because your excuse me but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear for I tell you the truth many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it listen then to what the parable of the sower means When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And may God add understanding to the reading of his word. So here's a parable that you'll find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It was not only important enough to record in all three of those Gospels, it was recorded in nearly identical form as well. But there's a little something in the Matthew account that took me to a new place this time, and I'll share that with you in a little while. Something else that I want you to see in this parable is the turning point in the teaching ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is where Jesus turns a, a corner in the style of teaching that he uses. He had used a lot of graphic analogies to this point uh, in his teaching of the masses, of the crowds. And now he switches to using only parables when he's teaching large crowds. And that starts here with the parable of the sower. Uh, One of the resources that I'm using in my study is this old book called All the Parables of the Bible. And it's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, The author has studied extensively the 250 parables that are found in the Bible in both the Old and New Testaments. And these parables had two strangely opposite purposes. They were spoken to reveal truth, but also to conceal truth for those who were able to understand, and more on that in a few minutes. There are three words that I want to focus on with you this morning. They're easy to remember. They all start with the same letter, and those words are peril, privilege, and purpose peril privilege and purpose and let's look at peril first this is the most visible part of the parable this is the part we remember most easily there were four different types of soils described in this parable and as an agriculturalist I connect with this picture Uh, I have encountered each one of these soil types and conditions in my journeys and at the end of the sermon today I'll show you a picture of a soil that fits the description of all four soils mentioned in this parable Uh, every one of them now, the first place where the seed landed was along the path, pretty self-explanatory. The hard hearts around each field where the farmers planted were walking paths. And if the seed that was being scattered was to land on that path, path, it was immediately in peril. Uh, the birds love planting season. They patiently wait for seed that's scattered but remains on the surface of the soil, and then they snatch it up. It's exposed, it's easily taken away. And the hard soil represents hearts that were hard and did not receive the seed of the gospel, allowing it to take root in their lives. Those who rejected Jesus did so with hard, closed hearts. And so when they heard the truth, it was quickly snatched away by the enemy. And I really wrestled with this for a bit. Was I really getting this? Because now I check myself if it's too easy to understand. And uh, the passage does not say that they reject the truth. It says that they don't understand the truth. And Jesus states that when he's explaining the parable to his disciples. But then his use of the verses from Isaiah uh, helped clear this up for me. Let's read verse 15 again. Verse 15 says, For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and Turn and I would heal them. Now, understanding is not something that we usually associate with our hearts, is it? But in several places in the Word, we see that understanding is very much a heart issue. It's not an intellectual issue. But let's move on. Second type of soil is the rocky soil. Uh, How many of you have ever had the treat of picking rocks out of a farmer's field? (laughs) Oh, several of you, that's good. It's not a fun way to spend the day. Uh, following a tractor around or walking in front of a tractor and just literally bending over and picking up rocks and throwing them in the scoop of the tractor so you can get rid of them. Um, In Haiti, where the farmers were forced to produce crops on the sides of mountains, the rocks in the soil were actually blessings. Um, We taught them how to use the rocks to build erosion barriers that would keep the soil from washing off the sides of the mountains in heavy rains. And that process was hard but very worthwhile work. And it had to happen because the rocks offered nothing to the plants in the soil. Nothing. They obstruct growth. They prevent the roots from pushing deep. They, they prevent the roots, the roots of the plant from getting to the water that they need down lower. And So here we are in the parable with the truth going into somebody's heart but not having the chance to take root. Now that seedling of truth is in peril And I can't help but think of so many I've known who have, like the parable says, uh, received the truth with great joy. And that truth, actually like a real plant seed, has enough energy in itself to produce rapid and impressive growth. But that initial energy runs out and the plant has found, if the plant has found no place to root, it becomes vulnerable, has to look for and find a place from which to draw nourishment, solid, strength-building nourishment. Or when something tough happens they fall away and that is one of the most heartbreaking things to watch somebody that you know go through now thirdly there's the seed that falls among thorns among weeds and it represents the life that has received the truth found some growth in the truth but then allows itself to be distracted by the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth it's a life that gets choked out by the pressures around it growth is thwarted that's its, pr- its peril and of course, the fourth outcome for the seeds scattered in this parable is that it produces. 100 times, 60 times, 30 times, whatever, it produces. Five talents, two talents, 10 minus, 5 minus, whatever, it produces. It yields a crop, which means it reproduces itself and provides the farmer with more seeds to sow. Some plants produce just a few seeds, some produce hundreds, that's God's business, and the plant knows what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to produce. So there is peril that's, pre- that's presented in this parable. And again, as I mentioned before, Jesus does not leave his followers clueless about the dangers that they'll face in life. Lack of understanding, lack of foundation, and the pressures of the distractions of life are all addressed here in the parable of the sower. And sadly, note the success rate among the seeds that are sown. One seed in four goes on to produce. And that's a harsh reality that we've seen throughout history. The chosen are few, it's true. We are a minority on this globe, but not one that's beaten down and discouraged. We are a victorious, overcoming, enduring force. And God has proven throughout history that he does not need numbers to be effective. He just needs those who are willing to let him do his work through them. So there's peril that is noteworthy in this parable. There is also what I'm calling privilege. And this is hopefully where we stop being spectators of this parable and become participants in it. Uh, Listen to this proclamation by your Savior, Jesus Christ, and let it sink in. Verse 11. Look at verse 11. He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Now, do you get just how big a privilege it is to have been given the knowledge of, of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. For so many of us, and I include myself in the us, we have not known the struggle of being in a place where we don't understand. We have grown up with understanding. We've grown up with privilege in the church. And so we forget far too often to acknowledge the gift that we've been given. We get too comfortable knowing a secret and then being among others that know the secret as well that we lose sight of the reality that there are those out there who have not been given the privilege yet of understanding. And we face in many ways the risk of becoming modern-day Pharisees. They had a heritage that became their idol and their downfall. Many of us have a heritage that can quickly become our idol as well. We're the ones who get it. We see that there there are, are many who do not get it, yet we just pass blame on them for not even trying to understand. Part of the reason for that, I think, is this. We've lost the sense of mystery that's at the very heart of the gospel. Look at some of the scripture passages that point to this. God's grafting of us onto the vine, Jesus Christ, is one such mystery. And Paul is addressing this concept in Romans eleven twenty-five 25, and says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers. He's helping to bring understanding. Paul speaks in these terms in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, where he even states it this way. Listen, I tell you a mystery. In Ephesians 6, 19, Paul is asking for prayer as he preaches that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Uh, Will you pray that for me, by the way? I would appreciate that. He refers in Colossians 1, 26 and 27 to the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. And then listen to the value that he gives this mystery. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And there are more references to the mystery of the gospel. Back to Romans 11 for one more. Romans 11.33 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. In our parable today, there are those who do not understand the mystery of the gospel. Isaiah had prophesied concerning those people who did not understand in verses 13 to 15 of our parable. But then verses 16 and 17 make a wonderful statement in contrast. Look at verses 16 and 17. But blessed are your eyes because they see And your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Now, why was Jesus telling his disciples that they were blessed in this way? What was it that the prophets and righteous men longed to see that they didn't see? What was it that they longed to hear that they didn't get a chance to hear? Well, it was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The prophets of old had not had the privilege of meeting Jesus. They did not get to see his face or hear his voice, but Jesus' disciples did, and so have we. What a privilege. Do you think maybe we should spend some time exploring the depths of these mysteries since we've been given the tools by which to understand them? If Jesus were here with us right now, and we were standing in front of a door... And he held out a key to us and said, go explore. Would you just stand there and smile politely at him? Well, there we are. We've been given the keys to explore the depths of the mysteries of Jesus Christ. And I'd take that thing and I'd go. I'd want to know what's behind the door. I would have no fear that it'd be a let's make a deal scenario and there'd be something useless behind the door. There are mysteries unimaginable, treasures unimaginable behind the doors that he gives us the keys to. Blessed are our eyes and our ears. We are a royal priesthood, a chosen people. Later on in his ministry, when he can sense that Peter is really getting it, Jesus tells him that he will give him the keys to the kingdom. And then he warns his disciples not to tell anyone that he is the Christ. It was not quite time for that mystery to be revealed But that time did come and that mystery has been revealed to those of us who choose to follow Jesus Christ. And that, brothers and sisters, is an enormous privilege. The third P is for purpose. There is peril in this parable that we cannot ignore. There is privilege that we should not ignore. And there is a purpose found in this parable that we can't ignore either. So what is that purpose? Well, I believe that the purpose presented in this parable is threefold. We all have different roles in our lives that we play, and I can see at least three roles that are addressed in this passage. The first role is that of a plant. The seed of the gospel has been planted in our lives, and God's desire is to see that seed grow into a mature plant. 2 Peter 3.18 says this, "...but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ." We are to grow up in Christ. We are to grow in love. We are to grow up into maturity. Plants do not produce fruit until they have matured, and God wants to see us all mature. The second role is that of a sower. We are to sow the seed of the gospel in the lives of others. We were saved to serve and to sow. Bearing fruit begins with sowing seeds. At home, at work, at school, wherever we are, we are to be sowers of the gospel, prepared at all times to give an answer to the questions people ask when they see Christ in us. With our lives and our words, we take on the role of the sower, scattering seed with confidence, knowing that it is God who brings growth, and we leave the results to him. Let your light shine before men, we're told. That light is the light of the gospel, planted with compassion and love for those who will hear. And as we sow, we pray for the eyes and ears of our listeners to be open, to be blessed so that they too will grow and produce an abundance of fruit. Uh, Remember what we talked about last Sunday? We talked about investing grace. We talked about putting what God has given us to work. And as we do, God enters into joy, and we in return are immensely blessed. But that investment, that seed sowing, takes place. God generously entrusts the truth to our care, and we create returns on it for his glory. The third role is one that I want to explore with you visually. Uh, Up on the screen is a picture that I took in 1993, and I apologize for the quality of the picture, but this is a a scan of a photo that was taken on a cheap camera long before digital technology. This was taken in an experimental garden that I had there, and uh, it's a frighteningly accurate sample of the type of environment in which the farmers in rural Haiti have to operate in order to produce food for their families. Um, Most gardens where I was looked exactly like this. And as I said earlier, each one of the four soil types is mentioned in today's parable uh, that are mentioned in today's parable are represented right here in this picture. Uh, When it first worked, this soil was as hard as any walking path I've been on. Uh, It took hours with a pick to create that little terrace that goes across there in order for them to plant in. Um, and when the farmers of Haiti sow seed in this type of soil, uh, it's in danger immediately of being lost to the birds, and about two-thirds of their crop is lost because the birds just sweep in and snatch up the the seed before it even has a chance to get down into the soil. You can see that there are rocks. Uh, The topsoil was washed away years ago when the dictator of that country sold the rights to France to come in and cut down all the trees that they wanted. So what was left were exposed mountainsides, and every time it rained, the soil slowly washed away down into the valleys, leaving conditions like what you see on the screen. And there is nothing for the roots of a plant to discover as they make their way into a soil here. And there are weeds, and the weeds are more aggressive than the crops and will quickly claim whatever hint of moisture there is in the soil, choking out the underdeveloped plants. And what you don't expect to see here is these bean plants thriving and producing under conditions like this. There was hope, even there, for the production of fruit, of seed, of life-giving food. This experiment brought me and many others great hope for the farmers in this area, and that was all the motivation that I needed to do what I was called there to do. My wife Kim and I joked early on in our marriage about uh, our ability to handle responsibility. Uh, We started by getting plants for our apartment, and we kept those alive, so we graduated to fish, and we managed to keep those alive. And so we got a cat, and we did all right with the cat and decided, all right, we're ready to have children. <laughs> and so guess what this farmer, then missionary, then youth pastor, now senior pastor is doing? Well, I'm seeing the vision that God has given me expand. In a very tangible way, I see my role here as your pastor as very similar to, to the one that I had working the soil in Haiti. I believe that God has called me here to work to provide an environment in which healthy growth can take place. I will work to soften hard hearts. I will work to remove obstacles to depth. I will work to encourage growth that rises above the distractions of life. I will labor to see God's kingdom expand and to see him find pleasure find joy in us, his productive plants. But this is not just a role for me. I'm determined to see us grow in our corporate ability to provide a place where people grow up in Christ, to become a family that encourages, protects, nurtures, and celebrates growth. And we all have a role in that. Can you pray with me towards that end? Can we take the blessings that God has given us and invest them together for his glory and his pleasure? Can we pray and labor over the production of a bountiful crop here at Chapel Hill Church? Can we come together and acknowledge the desire that God has to see the discipling, the growing of his people taking place intentionally, strategically here in our midst? I believe that we can. Will you pray that for your own life? And will you pray that for the lives of the people that are sitting around you right now? Let's see the seed of the gospel fall into fertile soil here and produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And may God continue to bless our eyes and our ears that we may understand what he's saying to us through his word. Let's pray. Father, we are indeed privileged. And sometimes we do take for granted the fact that you have given us understanding. That you have given us access to the mysteries of the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. The most important message the world has ever heard or ever will hear. And you have blessed our eyes and our ears so that we can get into that message And explore the depth of it. And I ask, Father, that we would not take that for granted. That in every single one of us here, there would be a desire, rise up, to take that key that you've given us and open the door and go exploring. I pray for Chapel Hill Church that we would become more and more as the years go by a place of fertile soil. A place where people take root, grow in their understanding and knowledge of Jesus Christ, and go on to become mature plants that reproduce. And every step along the way is so important. So I'm asking that for this church, Lord. And I'm asking in each one of our lives that you will help us to, to mature, to grow up, in spite of the obstacles around us, in spite of the distractions that can keep us from being productive. We need to come to you again this morning and commit ourselves to you and just say, Father, help us to grow. Bring us to the point of maturity. We want to see the seed of the gospel spread everywhere, right here and around the world to not just leave that to our high school students or our missions team or somebody else, but to realize that every single one of us is to grow. And the natural result of growth is maturity, and out of that comes reproduction. So we're asking for that progression here at Chapel Hill Church, Lord. Grow us up in you. Thank you for your word, for all of the mysteries that are there the depth that we haven't even begun to explore yet. You have blessed us by giving us your word and by giving us eyes and ears of understanding. And now, Father, as we come to this point of giving back to you through our tithes and offerings, we ask for your blessing on what we return to you. You have given us out of uh, your amazing abundance, and we have, we have something to give back Take this now and multiply it. Let it work for your glory as we move forward, as we move up, as we grow as a church, as a body, as a family in you. And we pray for these things to take place in the name of Jesus Christ.